Chowder Press Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight is Josh Cacho. Josh, how are you feeling tonight? I mean, it's always better to talk after a LAFC win, so, you know, like I said, I'm going to keep it at that for now. Yeah, uh, feels much better than it did earlier in the week, um, even though uh, RSL went out and got themselves stomped by Colorado um, just yesterday. I think it was 5-0, if I remember correctly. Um, but LAFC get the win over Portland, 4-2. to two. Um, Goals all around, Musovsky, Rossi, BWP, and Mark Anthony Kay, who had the first goal, um, gave gave up two pretty bad goals, if you ask me, but um, in the end got the result that we needed to save us from uh, absolute phase one disaster. Josh, what did you see tonight that either you liked or didn't like? I mean, I think things to like were the midfield. The midfield played really well today, in my opinion. Um, controlled the game. You didn't really see a ton of turnovers from them. Um, and you, you know, I think the other thing too was because you have K playing as that deep lying sweeper almost with Sifuentes mm-hmm. and Janela, who are cleaner on the ball than either K or Blessing, getting into the half spaces. Now you started to see more comfort with the wingers coming on, you know, playing off them, cutting underneath. And I think that's actually where you see, um, what's his name? Uh, Rodriguez create the create the space or get gain some space to be able to get on, you know, as he cuts underneath on yeah. the uh, uh, Rossi goal. Mm-hmm. So I think, like I said, with, with the, with those two midfielders, uh, you know, operating in the half space, you're a little bit more confident in terms of your your ability to retain the ball. So I think the wingers are a little bit more comfortable now crashing, crashing centrally, um, you know, in different ways, which now leads to different goal scoring opportunities comparatively to before. I think sometimes, you know, like it's like every time either Rossi or Rodriguez makes a run, it seems like the, the ball was turned over and now they're back going the other direction. And so it's hard to now continue to make those, those runs inside. If you know the ball's not going to, you know, if, if you if you don't think the ball's going to get to you, whereas in this sense, I think because of their ability to possess the ball in half space, I think it makes they're a little bit more confident in in that that ball's going to be, you know, that that will still maintain possession and that that ball's going to be there when they make the move. Yeah, I think you're exactly right about that. One thing that we um, do not see when it's either like on Wednesday with. Bryce Duke playing in the sort of 10 role with Cifuentes and, and Janela. They're too far back to have a major impact on the game. And you and I have been talking about this for, I feel like, months now, that they are both midfielders that should be at least eights, if not tens, where we've talked about Cifuentes possibly playing the anti-10 role. Or, you know, this is, this is kind of the new in vogue thing around U.S. soccer because it's what... Berhalter's talking about uh, the two pressing eights, right? And then a Regista at the six. Um, I think the midfield looked much better tonight with K back further where he's got more time on the ball because, again, he's not as clean on the ball as they are. But if he has time to pick up his head, he can hit a line-breaking pass. Uh, this is why some people on Twitter have been talking about uh, K being a, a decent center-back option. Um 
which I don't know if his defending is good enough for that, but just to, just based on his ability to hit a line breaking pass, I think it's a little bit of a stronger position for him in the midfield. Uh, you know, playing a little bit further back, and like you said on the on the Rossi goal, it it's exactly as you described. It's Janela operating the half space, and Rodriguez realizing that there's space underneath BWP. The the movement from Rodriguez is my favorite thing about that uh, about that goal. Um, second to the pass, and then and then well, I guess second would be the pass, and then third the finish, which is great from Rossi. But that recognition from Rodriguez is, I feel like what is going to impress Bob the most and what should impress all of us the most, because it's him recognizing here's this opportunity I'm going to move. And then being able to, once he does execute the movement, see Rossi streaking on the left. Um, So to me, that's like a big moment for Rodriguez trying to, you know, trying to really establish himself in, in the system. Um, What'd you think of the back line to start today? I mean, Again, like with with the four, you know, like you like to see, you know, a little bit of continuity, and I think this is the closest thing to guys who have played together in the past. Um, and so having, you know, obviously Latifa right back, and then uh, what is it, Yako, Segura, and, and Palacios. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the initial parts of the game, there's obviously a couple things that you think, well, maybe they can do better. But at the same time, I never really felt like they were that pressured because Kay was in front of them cleaning quite a bit of stuff up. Um, and so even on the count, you know, even when, you know, there was counterattacking opportunities for Portland, you always felt like Kay was, was in the mix of things. So that way it, I didn't feel like the back line was getting put into vulnerable spots nearly as often as we've seen them in the last, you know, month or so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like that there's some sort of continuity, and this is why I understand that Bob's probably trying to get Andy Nahar minutes, but it's why I don't like the Andy Nahar sub in the way that it comes off, where you have a back line that's functioning okay, not great. Obviously, they've given up two goals, um, but they look to be building on to, building into something. And what do you do? You pull out Latif, you put Nahar there, who hasn't had many reps with anybody. Yakovic has been in and out of the lineup repeatedly. And once again, the right side of your back line has shifted completely from what it was just a couple days ago. Um, and you see it. You see it in the way that they're disorganized. And you see it in the way that Portland is able to continue to create chances out on that side. And that said, I don't think Latif had a great game out there. Uh, the first goal comes because he doesn't close down via Fania. I feel like he's trying to stay home, waiting for a midfielder to come back and, and pressure him and a cross is floated in and nobody's tracking a Bobase really well. Uh, I think Palacios and Segura tried to bracket him, but again, we're talking about our short defensive, our short defensive line. Uh, and it's all, we're not going to win headers. It's just not the, it's not the way that we're going to defend. Um, so not that anybody had a great game out there, but to me, Nahar is not the answer right now. Uh, I know we have some questions about it, so we can save the rest for later. But um, anything else, Josh, that you saw tonight that 
that, I mean, stu- that stood out? I think it's pretty clear that Bob now sees Latif as a team's right back. I think they even announced it before the game, right? Um, I think I read it somewhere. Yeah. Um, where they're basic, where he's basically said that's where we need him the most, and that's where he's going to feature. Which, given some of the cert- the situations that they've had with you know now Blackman being out and some of these different things, and Traore being out as well, um, you know again part of it is a needs thing. Part of it is again he it's he seems to be the the least worst option at the moment. Um, at least if you're going thinking about going ninety minutes again, you just wish you would just have him stay there for 90 minutes because I think it, you know, you think it took a year and a half under the system for Latif to figure out how to play his role as a central a center midfielder. And I think it's going to take at least that long for him to now, you know, reposition to right back. Um, yeah. And so, cause you can, you can tell he's really comfortable getting forward, doing the overlapping thing like that thing, you know, almost like he's playing right wing back, but in terms of, you know, when he's getting back and then his one-on-one defending, he tends to defend like he's playing midfield as opposed to playing, you know, right back where he needs to move his feet a little bit more and stay in front of people. Um, like I said, you, can, you see him do, he's, he's still getting his foot stuck in, um, you know, which is good at times. But as you get closer and closer to the box, it just becomes more and more risky. So that would be my one concern, I think, long-term there for him. But beyond that, you know, like I said, it's good to see that the guys kind of figure out, regain their scoring touch. Um, you know, after a couple games where they didn't look like they remembered how to finish. And so, you know, getting to see some of that new interchange and just comfort level with the midfield. Um, the runs, the timing of the runs and the passes and the weight of the passes from the midfield in the half spaces, trying to find forwards, it was ex- absolutely excellent. Um, it's night and day from what it what I think it was earlier in the season. So I think that'll be another thing to continue to watch out for. Um, now that Atwas is back as well, um, you know, again, is there going to be some kind of rotation between, um, or, I mean, Janela likely is the, the odd man out for now, mainly because I think Sifu still gives you that defensive work that I think you find at times that Janela just kind of shuts off mentally. Um, there's a couple things you just kind of see him standing around, and you know I think Bob wants him a little more active, being in there breaking things up. But I think he he tends to be a little uh, less focused when that's his role, as opposed to being able to just kind of you know play that Chavi Alonso role and just kind of distribute from deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think Cifuentes is at this point almost indispensable. Um... Whatever the whatever the midfield ends up looking like in the next couple of weeks as Atuesta comes back to full health, uh, I think Sefuentes is going to be involved, especially if Latif is playing right back. And I think I think it's a perfect opportunity to keep him there um, because now you do have a suitable replacement for him in the middle, and you see Sefuentes' uh, impact on the match all over the place. Uh, he's taking shots. He's taking he's taking free kicks that he ends up uh, kind of whiffing on and still comes off. Obviously that was a, that was a great effort by Janela to go win that second ball and, and play it across. Um, he's picking up his head and finding Steve Clark off the line. Uh, man, if that goal would have gone in, I can't imagine what LAFC Twitter would have done <laughs> because he's kind of, he's kind of the new hotness right now online. Right. Um, his defensive capabilities, he is a bit of an enforcer in the midfield throwing out some hard challenges. 
Um, so I, he's, he's a great fit seemingly. And, uh, I definitely want to see him stay in the lineup, uh, over the other options. So I, I think, I think you are right about Janela. I think he's, um, he's not quite as active as Bob's going to want him to be in his kind of frenetic midfield. Um, so we'll just have to see what, what ends up happening there. But um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is one thing that just continues to stand out to me. And if anybody else is interested uh, in why I think we've continued to shuffle our goalkeepers again, just watch Pablo Cisniega anytime the ball is dropped back to him. Uh, there was one point, I think Nahar was in at this point and there was a corner. We had a corner uh, on the other side of the field and Nahar plays it back to Cisniega who's standing really near midfield. Um, if not in the circle, I can't remember exactly where. And Cisniega has all the time in the world to pick out a pass, but instead just again, clears it. So he's just any ball that goes back to him is going to be cleared. Um, if he can pick up the ball, he's fine rolling it out. But if if one of his own teammates is, play, is passing it back, it's going to be cleared long. So that's kind of a tough thing to do when, you know, you're you're pressing, pressing, pressing. You win a ball, and there's too much pressure to to go at goal right away. So you start recycling, and now you've just spent all this effort pressing, and your goalie puts you into a fifty fifty situation trying to win a header. So to me, that's again a sign of why he's been in and out, but then you see him come up with some good stops. So now you realize why he's, why he's still in and why we've had uh, keeper controversies in, in the last two years, really. But I don't know. Are you still on the Cisniega train? Yeah. I mean, like, here's the, I mean, as a, as a shot stopper, which is given some of the situations our defense get put in right now, you got to have it. Right. Like it's one of those things where, if the defense is going to play the way it is and give up the chance that it is because of the midfield balance or whatever it may be, you know, you're going to be, you're going to give up some opportunities at some point and having a guy that while his distribution leaves a lot to be desired um, is going to at least get his hands on, you know, he's, you know, he, he rarely gets beat without him at least getting a hand to it. And so I think with a given that ability, I think it's it's still one of those situations where it's like if you could find someone who can do both, is that ideal? Absolutely. Are you likely to find that for for a lower for a cut rate? Probably not. And so you deal with what you you know you work with what you got. Um, again, his lack of passing ability is probably um, my least favorite thing about his game. But again, given the circumstances, you kind of you take it if he's going to come up with a few say big saves here and there as well. Yeah, uh, again, the number one number one goal of the keeper, right? Protect the, protect the net. That's it. Uh, and then and then we'll worry about the total football. You are the first attacker later. Uh, but for now, let's just at least lock down some of these uh, some of these shots that just keep finding their way into the back of the net. I think I, I guess he could have done better on his positioning. I think he was kind of caught out uh, on that Abobase goal, the first one. Um, but again, we already talked about how the the back line, especially Latif, kind of left him out to dry by not pressuring Biafani on that cross. Um, do you want to talk about any of the any of the other goals specifically before we get into this? Or 
No, I mean, not in particular. I think the, the Rodriguez goal is the one I think that makes the most sense. Uh, I mean, or at least they yeah. had the most behind it in terms of, okay, that's the type of buildup you want to see. That's the type of finish you want to see. All those types of things. I mean, the last goal was nice because you really see how much Atuesta can affect the game and not a whole lot of time. And yeah. so that'd be the only thing on that last one there. Yeah, one quick thing on the first goal, the Mark Anthony K goal. Uh, this is what happens when you have a player run towards the ball and win a header, right? <laughs> is you get a flick on and it's kind of a busted, like like the football term, the American football term is like a busted play, right? And you essentially go into the tip drill and Mark Anthony K is at the back post to clean it all up, right? Um, so that was good. Some LAFC winning the ball on a set piece. Uh, and then the last goal, the Musovsky goal, is just some brilliance from from Atuesta as he just kind of weaves his way through a couple defenders. Uh, he shows good balance uh, to, to, he like avoids a tackle uh, kind of tiptoeing his way through some defenders and finds Mark Anthony K who plays a decent ball through to, to Musovsky and credit to Musovsky. That's a, a good finish one-on-one with the keeper. So um, much better. Great to see Atuesta back out there and doing his thing. Uh, Obviously, his presence was sorely missed. Um, All right, you ready to get in some questions here? Let's do it. All right, PG at Paul T. Greco. I'm going to give you the first crack at this one, Josh. Is Nahar a long-term solution based on what you've seen so far? I just don't see it. I mean, like I said, I I don't know if if it's the knee that just has taken a toll. Um, and while he may be a hundred percent from a physical, hundred percent from a physical perspective, it doesn't mean he has the burst necessary to, you know, to to defend and and play this position at a high level. So again, I I I just don't see it. Yeah, to me, being caught out of position is going to happen, um, especially when our fullbacks are asked to play so aggressively. Um, I'm just not sure that he's got it, you know, like defending one-on-one. He's oftentimes just getting smoked by uh, by nobodies, right? Um, on Wednesday, it was Justin Miram, who, who, again, he's had a great MLS career, but just completely done up so many times. And then tonight, it was Jorge Villafania who was abusing him. And again, Villafania is somebody that started for the U.S. He played in Liga Mackey's. Uh, but to be done up like that by a left back from Portland is just unacceptable. I think on one of them, he gets the ball flicked over his head. There's another time he makes a sliding tackle and just kind of like waits there thinking, I don't know if he thought he was fouled in the process, but he does okay to win the ball. And then... Uh, just kind of lays there and the attacker is able to pick up the ball again. One thing that he did really well tonight, and it's just one moment, is he's getting the ball forward and he plays a great ball into the feet of BWP. That was an impressive pass. Uh, you and I have talked a lot about Liverpool and the creativity of their fullbacks. Um, and if he's, if that's the, the, you know, what LAFC sees in him is a sort of, uh, playmaking fullback who is going to have some serious defensive liabilities, then I get it. But for me, he's not the guy. Um, yeah. But I think if, if you're going to have 
him do those, you know, have those types of fullbacks that are going to do those kind of things. There has to be better understanding from either the back line or the midfield to now protect when those guys are, are in those positions, right? Either you got to invert the, invert the midfield the way that I think you saw Kay doing a little bit today. Um, yeah. You know, like him kind of just cleaning everything up after the fullbacks pushed up or just kind of, you know, in general, just being, having that field awareness. Because again, I think what ends up happening at times is they get caught up with, with a ton of numbers, but without much balance in the middle of the field. And if, should you lose possession, which is going to happen occasionally, you're extremely vulnerable because now you've got two guys defending whatever they're sending in attack. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's, it do, it doesn't make sense if you can't defend one-on-one. If that's the case, if he's a good playmaker but can't defend one-on-one, then he's he's a winger. He's not a fullback, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, it's similar to the Cisniega thing. There's there's a box you have to check before you can play goalkeeper, and that's can you stop shots. Uh, there's a box you have to check, especially playing fullback, which doesn't, you know, it requires more one-on-one defending than say a center back who can be really, really strong. If he can, for say, hold his position and win, win aerial, uh, aerial crosses, then he can be a great, a, a great center back. But a fullback to me, especially needs to be able to go one-on-one with a winger and not just give up the, the end line. So they can just play cutback passes to the spot and just pick you off. Um, so similar to what you said it's you either have to have a great understanding from your midfield that they're going to have to cover for him but now you're changing the way that you defend as a team just to just to get one guy on the field uh and that's one thing i like about latif is his tackling his one-on-one defending is better again he's not perfect as a right back yet and i think it's mostly that he hasn't played a whole lot of right back and the more that he does play there the better he will be um, whether Latif is the long-term option, I don't know. Um, we've talked about it. We talked about it just a couple of days ago. They need to sign some some extra players, probably a center back, and move Blackman back out there. But uh, it seems, Paul, that neither of us think Nahar is a is a long-term solution. And I, the last thing I want to say about that is, I know I've gone on for a long time. Sorry, Josh. Um, Nahar's been with the team for a long time, so it's not like he's seeing stuff in practice for the first time, even though he hasn't had a whole lot of minutes, he's been around the team since last season. So I'm not quite uh, as susceptible to the argument that, Oh, well, you know, he needs more minutes and he'll eventually figure it out because he's been with the team for a long time. All right. That was a long answer. Sorry, Josh. Uh, Next one from Cameron at Senor Campagna. When's Vela coming back? Josh, I'm going to let you have a crack at this since uh, you are the resident expert on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, so the injury occurred, what when, how long ago was it now? When was that game, the 20, in August sometime? Let's see. Yeah. I don't, when was that first Galaxy game? Yeah. Um, looks like August, know, around August 20, weeks. August 25 looks like was when okay. they uh that doesn't make sense hold on so it would have been august 23 i think it was a sunday was the game itself 
with the um, a couple of days later was when they came out with the diagnosis of that MCL injury. So looking now, you're looking at about one, two, you're about two and a half weeks. Um, and they, at the time they rated it as a, as a grade two tear. Um, I'm, I'm going to say he's probably coming back closer to the beginning of October. Um, just to be safe, you know, again, what, what's happening right now is that they're each day he's going to go through a protocol to see whether or not he's fit to play. Um, it may take, he could be back in a week. He could be back in four or five weeks. It really just depends on as he goes through each training session. Um, is he feeling any symptoms when he's doing those things? I still think he is training on his own. I don't think he's quite back to with the team yet. So again, if, if, even if that starts within the next week or two, you'll start to see him probably do that for another two weeks and then he'll probably make his return following that. So I would assume probably after phase two at the earliest. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably it. Um, and I think you're going to see him phased in very gradually, just like you saw Atuesta come in for basically what amounted to the minimum amount of time, minimum amount of significant minutes that you could give somebody came on in like the 79th or 80th minute. Right. Mm. Uh, so you're giving him 10 to 15 minutes and, uh, we might see him go another 10 or 15 here coming up, or this is speaking of Atuesta or go to 30 here pretty soon, but. Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a slow recovery, obviously with Velo, they're going to, they're going to treat him, uh, with extreme caution. All right. Next one, Jeffrey Bamaka at Jeff Bamaka. I saw Brian Rodriguez playing more central off the ball on the attack. I think that gave LAFC more options in the attack to get balls behind the defenders to Rossi and BWP. It also helped that B-Rod's playmaking abilities worked. What do you think? Uh, we talked, we already talked about the, the Rossi goal. That movement happens because, like you said, Janela's in the half space. He's kind of pulled back, and he's got a better passing range, so he's going to be able to pick guys off from a little bit further back. BWP is stretching the back line. And the other thing that if you watch real close, as Rodriguez comes across, BWP moves towards the right. And what this does is it pulls the the right center back from, from Portland over to the left, as the left center back is trying to track with Rodriguez. So now you've got even more space open right in between those defenders where, where Rodriguez plays that great ball. Uh, and that's to me, the, the secret to success. I, I, it's, we've talked about, you know, the attacking trident and them moving around quite a bit and interchanging positions. And it's realizing when to go. I think that's the best I've seen Rodriguez play on the right side. Um, and it seems like a great fit if he has enough space underneath to, to pull the ball back and create rather than just trying to get to the end line every time where I think he becomes a little bit predictable. Anything else there, Josh? Yeah. I mean, I think the way that LAFC played tonight is reminiscent of what you've seen previously from like older, um, the Real Madrid teams prior to, uh, Ronaldo leaving. So, when they're there, you have it's a it starts in a four three three essentially, but you have your deepest line midfielder who's basically the just plays a destroying role. Um, that's what K did tonight. He's right. He's really just there just to mm-hmm. kind of be the Casemiro role, just clean everything up that gets him behind. Um, you know, as basically part of your back, your back, your uh, drops in between the the back two um, in possession. 
I think when you start to occasionally he's moving up and doing the thing, but again, more often than not, you see him just kind of just sitting at the top of up, just in front of the center backs and just cleaning it all up. Um, again, with the, with now your your two primary passers coming from either side of the um, the midfield, but I think what that ends up doing is now just creating a lot of space for that cut inside, and it will usually as the as the one midfielder or one winger makes that cut inside, you see that back post run usually um, from the opposite side. And so, you know, we, we you know, I think we were used to seeing Vela do this quite a bit with, I think it was with the really successful Christian Ramirez running towards that right-hand side as Vela cuts mm-hmm. underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw it a ton previously, and I think this is just that that first time that we really saw Rodriguez being able to execute and, and kind of play that same way. So again, it's nice because again, I don't think we've seen it before, um, and adds another layer to the attack. I think, it, but I think a lot of it comes from confidence in the midfield to maintain to maintain the ball, but also just the spacing, which just was right for it to happen as well. Um, again, yeah. a lot of times you start to see a lot of congestion occur when K and, and Blessing are pushed up into the half space um, because I think they're trying to receive the ball in weird positions as opposed to I think. Janela and Sifuentes are are kind of understanding. So you see when Rodriguez cuts in, Sifuentes books it to the outside and kind of fills in that space. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so instead of being in the half space, he's now out wide. And it, again, it, it's it's kind of the way that you and you see guys like Luka Modric and and uh, Tony Kroos operate within their lineup, kind of playing inside out. Um, as need be, as the, as the forwards start to cut in and do different things. Yeah. All right, Jeff's got another one here. Credit to Misovsky, but that goal was all out to Esta. The movement, patience, point of reference, and dribbling, his ability to escape pressure is just impeccable. Also, just wanted to say, keep it up. Definitely enjoy the pod and learn a lot from you guys. Thanks, Jeff. That's very kind of you. Um, and he's 100% right on this, on the Musovsky goal. Like we said earlier, great finish from Musovsky. Good ball from from K coming uh, after the initial pass from Atuesta, but it's Atuesta's ability to get past you know one two three defenders and uh, and play the initial ball into the midfield that that really creates that goal. One hundred percent agree. Uh, next one here, Josh is from Tyco BNG at Tyco Blue. Raito looked great on the right. Props to Latif for playing all over the field. Nahar looks better and close to starting. Question mark. What roles do you see Sifu and Janela play with Atuesta back? Conceding two is now an LAFC shutout to me. Uh, that's pretty clever, actually. A um, lot of stuff here. Raito, we said, uh, did look better on the right tonight. Uh, props to Latif for being all over the field. I feel like that's one of those things, like good for Latif, bad for LAFC, <laughs> that he starts playing at right back and ends up at left wing. Um do you want to take another crack at this Nahar bit, or do you think we've answered that one enough? No, I mean, again, I think it's just one of the situations where, I mean, again, like I, I think there's a there's a clear reason why they brought him in, and it's because they want him to kind of become that that Liverpool style attacking wing back, you know, or fullback. Whether or not that's going to happen, and whether or not that we they can continue to figure out how to bounce a defense behind it is a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. I think I've made my feelings uh, pretty clear. I don't want to beat up on the man. Um, so I'm going to leave it at that. 
What roles do you see Sifu and Janela play with Atuesta back? We kind of talked about this. Janela may be the odd man out as Bob looks to uh, get back to some semblance of his lineup from last year. Um, but we've also made our intentions known that we both think that it should just be Atuesta, Sifu, and Janela playing. Um, with Kay coming off the bench, probably to replace Janela and Latif at right back for now. And yeah, LAFC, you know, conceding two is basically par for course at this point. I think I think Doyle tweeted out one of his rare good tweets uh, that LAFC over the last 10 games have averaged 2.2 goals per game, which is what FC Cincinnati did last year when they set the record for the worst defense in MLS history. So not great. Uh, I really like this next question, Josh. This might be one of my favorite questions ever. LAFC chat at LAFC chat. Should Atuesta choose Barcelona or Real Madrid when both have interest next window? So obviously a little bit tongue in cheek, but what do you think? Where should Atuesta move if both are available to him? If he wants to play, I would, I'm, I'm going to say Barcelona because Busquets is on the way out versus yeah. Casemiro is going to be at Madrid for a while. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's the very obvious answer. Um, Barcelona is going; they're going to be going through a bunch of changes in the next couple of years. Uh, that being said, I'm fine being the bad guy and saying he should choose Real Madrid because it's a place where he can ease into La Liga and find and find a lot of success right away. I think I think they're going to be the ones that kind of run the show for the next few years. And with Luka Modric probably on his way out here pretty soon, with Tony Kroos on his way out here before too long, uh, like you said, Casemiro is going to be there. But uh, there are some guys that you can go in and learn from before you completely take their job. Um, so I, and if Zinedine Zidane stays there, then, I mean, what else do you want than a guy that, three-peat of the Champions League uh, in a coach. All right, last one here, Josh. Mufasa at Mufasa MB. My question is, why has LAFC not signed an agreement with another USL team like the one we had for Orange County SC? It could help rehabilitate some of our players coming off injury. I, I think this is a decent question. I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, it, the last year we, I don't think it was ever official with Phoenix Rising, but we sent a bunch of guys to Phoenix Rising last year um, Tristan Blackman spent quite a bit of time there. I feel there were, there were more there. I, off the top of my head though, I don't remember who they were. You remember who, who all spent time in Phoenix last year, Josh? Lamar Batista was down there for a couple spells. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one point where there was like three or four of them, but no one was playing either. I feel like a handful of mid- midfielders spent time there too, but yeah, my guess is, I mean, ultimately I think it just comes on to financial thing. You know where everyone scrambled to just get their their finances just as squared yeah. away as possible yeah. in the era of COVID. Um, it's not a time that you're going to want to just invest a ton into other other arenas when you're still you're still trying to make your your money making product actually viable. And so, and again, you're they're heading into year three, so likely this is where most of the owners are starting to see a return on their investment actually from. A, you know, a dollars and cents standpoint, but the 
you know, obviously the question in the long run becomes like, how do you make it sustainable? And so I think most of the focus and money has gone into the first team. Um, you know, obviously it'd be nice to get some of the young, these younger guys minutes and so on and so forth. Um, and I'm not sure what the overall plan is with, with uh, Guido, but you know, like you said, I think it's, it's, it's probably something that was in the works, but never happened likely because of, of the coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately I don't think they're going to be too, um, too overly pressured to go out and, and work a whole lot with USL until they have more Academy prospects coming through, uh, and they don't have a landing spot for them. Obviously, that'll probably be when LAFC two shows up, you know, in a couple of years when a bunch of these 15, 16 year olds who can't quite break into the first squad. Um, but LAFC wants to, wants to hold on to and continue to, uh, develop. So they might feel like they're pretty close to that. And that could be part of the reason too, is some of these teams might want to do a longer, like a longer term deal. Who knows? I think USL is also becoming more competitive at this point. And a team like Phoenix Rising probably isn't trying to do us a whole lot of favors because what they're trying to do is stay on top of the league and um, and just maintain their own dominance in the league. <laughs> and LAFC is probably not all that interested in, you know, OCSC or whoever. Um, so that's that would be my answer there. Josh, anything else before we get out of here tonight? I mean, I think it's, it's important to consider that, especially in some of those relationships, you can't guarantee how much your guys are playing unless it's written yeah. into the contracts. And so I think it, given the situation, it just didn't make sense for this particular year in yeah. a weird fiscal yeah. year. So, All right. Well, you can follow the show at counterpress underscore me at Kirk Kinsey, Josh. LASC Josh on Twitter. All right. We will be back. Man, when is even, when is our next game? I don't even know. Do you know off the top uh, of your head? No, but I will look for it. It's been it's been so fast and furious that I haven't even checked. I know phase two is now starting. We're at the end of phase one. We'll probably mm-hmm. come back with some sort of phase one wrap up. Um, but until then, yeah. I sorry, know. I'm looking this up right now. A uh, Seattle on the 18th, which is this Friday. So we get to travel back to Seattle and uh, try and avenge that three one loss that we had against them just a few a uh, few weeks ago. So we'll at least be back by Friday night, possibly before then, to do a, a wrap-up, and we will talk to you then. Yeah.